Hello, welcome to the Longball Premier League Preview Show. I'm John Townsend. I'm Declan DeBarb. I'm Zimingo. I'm Brian McCaffrey. In this jam-packed weekend, we have the North London Derby. It's the Battle of the Football Perverts, and David Moyes' Merry Men march on. So let's start the show. And now, the first match we're looking at this weekend, gentlemen, is going to be one of the best matches of the season, I'm thinking. We have Man City versus Chelsea. City have looked unstoppable this season, and Chelsea haven't lost a match yet. So, who do you guys think will win this rematch of the Champions League final? Declan, let's start with you. I think that this is an interesting one. You know, we have City-Chelsea this week, and if I'm not mistaken, we have City-Liverpool next weekend. So, two big games in the grand scope of the championship, because I think that most people have kind of settled on these three teams being the real contenders this year. Chelsea look like the real deal, especially with Lukaku. Um, you know, Manchester City is Manchester City. So it should be a good game. And like you mentioned, it's two coaches that match up really well against each other. Tuchel seems to be in Pep's head a little bit and has seemed to get the best of his players out of him when he comes up against this Pep Guardiola Manchester City squad. You only have to look at the Champions League final from the previous season to see that. So I think it should be a really good game and one that will draw the eyes of a lot of neutrals, I'm sure. It definitely will. Now, Zimming, as someone else who's up there at the top of the table, where do you see your fellow London rival, Chelsea? How do you see them faring in this match? First of all, I think this will be a very competitive game. And I really don't see this game uh, having too many goals on either side. It'll be a pretty low scoring game. And uh, in my honest prediction, it will be probably a 0-0 or a 1-1 draw. I just don't see either side. No, that's, not, that's not what the fans want to hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 4-3 bomb yeah. barn burner. That's I'm... what we need. <laughs> I mean, I can't say it'll be a you know four four five five you know entertaining game to game of you know two halves of both sides. But you know, I think at this stage of the season right now, uh, as well as just based off of the previous form of both sides, um, coming I guess with the clash of titans, I just don't see either coaches taking too big of a risk in this case, right? And when both teams, you know, playing a little bit more conservatively against probably their biggest title challengers for the season, um, you know, you're definitely going to see a lot more tactical, you know, movement in the midfield and being very smart with playing the ball forward. So, you know, I I definitely will think this will be a great game, uh, but I just don't see, you know, there will be too far of a one-sided match for either side. You know, initially I was giving the edge towards Chelsea just a little bit, just because of their form throughout the season so far. But knowing they're going to travel to the Etihad, um, you know, just really neutralizes out my predictions for the game. Well, as you mentioned, we battle the midfield. Is it again? Is it at the head? I'm sorry. I thought it was a Stamford Bridge. Oh, really? Yeah. Yours is Man City versus Chelsea. So I assume it was the home one that you're going to put first. I believe it's Stamford Bridge. It's at at Stamford Bridge. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That definitely, because that tied into my answer. That's why I was wondering. Well, Theo, where do you see this match going? Do you think because it's going to be at Stamford Bridge, Chelsea could have the edge? I definitely think that. And, um, like like you guys said, it's definitely a clash of the titans. Um, these are t- the two title favorites. And uh, for me, I just think Chelsea's squad depth, I-, I mean, don't get me wrong, City has tremendous squad depth. But with this Saul signing and Lukaku's been out running and it's at Stamford Bridge, I really like Chelsea here. But I do agree it's going to be a hard-fought tactical match, low-scoring, 
I could see a draw, but it's going to be a 1-0, 1-1 type affair, in my opinion. But I give the edge to Tuchel and Chelsea in this. Well, going into this match, Chelsea and City have only conceded one goal each a season, whereas Chelsea scored 12, City scored 11. These are two of the most well-put-together sides in the league, so it's going to be much-watched TV, as well as, I believe, at the same time, it's going to be United versus Villa. So there's two massive games to get your morning started, or morning at least if you're in Canada, or even in America, or some parts of America. But uh, yeah, so that's going to be a great way to uh, start the day. But so now excited to see Pep to see Pep bring back the WM and <laughs> try and be, try and beat Chelsea with some weird tactic. Uh, one thing to keep in mind: Tuchel has won four straight against Pep Guardiola, going mm-hmm. back to going back to the PSG days as well. So I definitely think that Tuchel has the upper edge in this in this uh, in in this matchup. It'll it'll be interesting, but I think it'll come down to a few individual mistakes and in how and how they're coached at the end of the day. Yeah, well, the Champions League final was was a great match to watch up until uh, Kevin De Bruyne exited with a with an injury, but both teams are now ready to go. I'm really excited for that match. But now let's move on to another London team in West Ham versus Leeds United. Now, I'm certain Declan's going to be wanting to be gloating right now as uh, as West Ham got a bit of revenge on United in the Carabao Cup, otherwise known as the Community Shield tournament, except mid season. One nobody cares about, but you're only um, saying that because you lost, John. Yeah, yeah, most likely, yes. But they're going up in a pretty interesting matchup this weekend against Leeds. And as we said in the as we said in the opener, David Moyes' merry men are a proper unit right now. There's a ton of optimism in the camp. Mikel Antonio is going to be coming back as well. He was amazing to start off the season. And Declan, I'm just going to give you the the stage right now to be happy. You know, it's a shame we haven't talked about my West Ham so far this season. They've uh, they've been putting in the bits. The game that they played last weekend, and I'm sure we would have talked about that if uh, if we ended up recording uh, an episode for last week for last week's round of fixtures. But I wasn't expecting them to be this good this season. There was a lot of doubts. There was a lot of things that I was really worried about coming into the season. For those of you who checked out uh, our Premier League preview episodes, but they seem to be a proper proper unit. Mikel Antonio has come out scoring and he was he was the biggest question for me, you know. A lot of people see him not being a striker and I think that he was sorely missed um last weekend against United. But if he continues his scoring form, he is the focal point of West Ham's attack and I think he's going to cause some leads he's going to cause cause leads some some real problems this weekend. He's a handful especially given the fact that leads are down, they don't really have a recognized central defender with Luke Ailing filling him Liam, Liam Cooper who at the beginning of the season was only a tertiary option for them being one of their only fit center backs. So Bielsa's team is up the Creek without a paddle. If, uh, if, if you will. And you know, this potent West Ham attack that defends so staunchly will cause them problems. I'm sure of it. It's been a rough, rough start to the season for Leeds as they haven't won a game yet. They're right now in 16th place in the Premier League, and that's definitely not what they want to be. There was a quote in The Athletic that uh, Declan sent to me um, today about how Bielsa has aspirations for, Euro- for Europe this season. So the fact that they're in 16th is unacceptable for him, and I'm sure he's going to be doing tons of squats at home, just furious at the situation that they're in right now. But, Brennan, what do you have to say about Leeds' chance against West Ham? Uh, I think that West Ham has been nothing short of, like, and very well, very impressive to say at least. What David, what David Moyes has done with this side is, I mean, 
they're doing much better than Arsenal. Like, you guys have Europa League to look forward to. I don't even have that. So that in itself is a feat. Uh, and I watched the United game and the Europa League game, and you guys look sharp. And I really, really think that West Ham is going to go to Ellen Road and put a beat down on Leeds. This Leeds team is not looking too sharp for me. They look like a really a shell of their former selves, especially Agreed. especially when you consider the importance of set pieces to David Moyes' setup. They scored the one of their two goals in the game at Elon Road last year from a towering Craig Dawson header, and it really looked like he was going to get a brace. So I would expect that. Obviously, obviously Dawson probably won't play this weekend, given um, the fact that Kurt Zuma has come in and looked great in his first two games. But yeah, they this I would be worried if I was a Leeds fan absolutely second what you guys all have said and if i do remember correctly i think west ham has beaten leeds in both of their outings last season yeah they did the so double one. right okay yeah the west ham fan would obviously know yes <laughs> um but i think one point that you gentlemen didn't mention is the emergence of saeed ben rama ever since he was at brentford i knew those numbers really started adding up from the left side of the pitch and last season we definitely did see some displays of brilliance here and there but now it's been, what, five games of the season and he's been involved, correct me, I think five for five, right? Involvement? Five, goals in five the- for six, including the Europa League, but yeah. Right, there we go, there we go, which is crazy numbers given someone coming in second season in the Premier League and adapting to the system. Um, and I think him and the front line of West Ham all form a fantastic partnership. So definitely someone to be looking out for. And yeah, like I said, Leeds fans should be pretty nervous in this upcoming fixture. But, you know, this West Ham team is on fire and especially coming off such a high victory over United. This would be, in my opinion, more interesting to watch from a neutral perspective than the City and Chelsea game, just because of the sheer excitement. And, you know, two sides are known for their electric fans and atmosphere. Fantastic game for the weekend. Yeah, and actually on, the, on that point as well about Ben Rama's emergence, I wonder if maybe having Lingard in the squad last year, even though Lingard was fantastic, have now having that spot opened up where Ben Rama could fill in at that creative mid, midfielder role he's so good at, that's probably skyrocketed his, his production because he's now playing in the role that they brought him in to play. Whereas last season when he first got there, he's probably still getting used to the club, used to the system, used to the guys he's playing around where he had to, starting from zero chemistry, now he now he's found that chemistry and he's looking fantastic in my fantasy team. I just have to say that right now. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're a back. fool if you don't have six million dollars Saeed Ben Rama in your FPL team. The link that he's already formed with Mikel Antonio seems to be, if I if I can harken back to it, the link that Paye had with Manuel Lanzini and how the how both of those guys mm-hmm. were able to play off each other and they were really the centerpiece of West Ham's attack in 2015-16, the year where they made the Europa League for the first time. And to see the emergence of the Algerians, uh, Alessandro Del Piero has been has been interesting. He was really frustrating last season because he was played out of position. He was played centrally where he was given a couple other responsibilities. But now with West Ham signing Vlasic and David, David Moyes kind of playing with the front three, that's always been kind of fluid. Said Benrama's presence in that has been a settling force. He's been the main creative option for this team. And he makes me wonder why we even chased uh, Jesse Lingard this offseason. It didn't make any sense to me when you spent $22.5 million on a player who looks the bits, who looked great last season and is only proving the doubters wrong. Let's move on to another bit of transfer news as James Rodriguez is now leaving Everton officially. 
he has not been in any of Rafa's plans to start off the season with with the Toffees. But he's going to be going to Alvian, who's a Qatari club, for what is reported to be a loan deal up until his contract expires and bringing in eight, around £8 million. So it's not nothing, it's something. And more specifically, his wage is going to be off the off Everton's bill. And that's a big contract he's under right now. But last season, this is a guy who was one of Everton's star players. He was such a great creative force in the middle of the park under the Carlo Ancelotti Everton of last season. Where does Everton make up the gap now that he's not there? Even though he hasn't been involved in the squad, it's still a massive presence they have to now replace in the squad. I think Hamas Rodriguez leaving is a sign that things are changing at Everton. He was a guy brought in by Carlo Ancelotti and, you know, not to say that Rafa is a step back, a step back from their ambitions, but that it's a sign that Rafa is trying to play in a different way, trying to play in a more cohesive way. You look at some of the guys that he brought in over the off season in Solomon Rondon and Damari Gray and Ross Townsend. It's a more hardworking, more grinding out of results that I think we've come to expect from Rafa where it's very different under Carlo Ancelotti, who is more of a hands-off coach. And I don't know if you guys remember, but from when he was at Bayern, the players said, you know, the workload wasn't, wasn't hard enough. And Thomas Muller was having the team over to his horse ranch to, to, to put in some extra training. So I think it's a sign that things are changing at Everton. It's a change of the culture. And James Rodriguez is in a class of dying tens that just don't work in the modern era. It's the same reason where we see players like Coutinho and um, Ozil. And Ozil, thank you, that's the name I was searching for, have faded. No longer can a player only produce offensively. Even strikers are starting to have to press higher up, drop deeper back. And it's the Cruyffization of uh, of football, if you will, the total football aspect of it, where you can't just have a passenger. It's kind of like how Deli Ali, who was a number 10 at Spurs for years, he's now had to expand his game and actually work on defense now i look at Deli ali at, at spurs and he looks like a complete, completely different player he's still working his way back in terms of confidence as i'm sure zimming will, will tell you but he is working his ass off on defense and that's something i haven't seen from him in past years he went from a number 10 to a wide range of different numbers now all over the pitch all on both sides of the pitch we're still finding where he slots the best so we're we're trying to be patient with him but we'll, we'll discuss that later <laughs> <laughs> as I'm sure he will. Now let's take this to uh, to halftime as Declan, I'm going to be handing it off to him as he's going to be in charge of this week's game. Yeah, so we'll be playing classic higher or lower game. I have a list of 10 different, in this case, clubs that you guys will have to go higher or lower on. You guys are going to work as a team and try and get, get a high score. The current high score is three, so it's pretty attainable, especially given that I give you the first team. But Given the fact that it has just been League Cup week, we're going to do higher or lower for League Cup wins. Do you guys get do you guys get the concept? Are you ready to play? Yeah. Yeah. I got it. And the first team, do they have higher or lower than zero? Chelsea. I'm high. gonna go out on a limb and say it's higher. Yeah. It is higher. Chelsea have five League Cup wins. Team number two, West Brom. How many League Cup wins stretching all the way back to the original League Cup to today's Carabao Cup? Does West Brom have? Is it higher or lower than Chelsea? Yeah. Is it, yeah, sorry. Is it higher or lower than Chelsea? Oh. Higher or lower than Chelsea's five? I feel like they might have got one or two ages ago, I, but I, would I don't say think it's above five. Yeah, I'd say lower. You guys are going with lower? 
no, West Brom was unstoppable at a certain time in the past. Like they were also, I feel like it's a little obvious when someone asks who's won more cups, West Brom or Chelsea. Yeah, right. It might, it might be a little reverse psychology here, right? Mm-hmm. But again, like everything is pointing. Like I don't remember when these cups, if they were even won by by West Brom, but. Yeah, you know what? Since 1960, keep in mind, the, the first League Cup Ooh. in England was played in 1960. Okay. I'm not trying to confuse the waters here. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, say, I'll go lower. The team, uh-huh. the team's going with lower. The team is correct. West Brom has have won one League Cup. Okay. The next one, Everton. Have Everton won more or less League Cups than West Brom? This is definitely yes. Yeah, it's definitely higher. And hang on, yeah. hang on, hang on. We just thought that there's a chance that West Brom could have been one to throw us off. Could this be one throwing us off? Mm. Well, okay, here's the thing. Everton has been decently good for a very, very long time. They have not yo-yoed anywhere, right? And West Brom is yeah. like a typical championship Premier League team, right? And That's with about- Mm-hmm. Right. So I just feel like just based on like pure statistics wise, when you're getting matched up with League One, League Two teams on a consistent basis and you're always up top, I just it just makes me feel they're at least two. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think I'm leaning there too, because as well, it's only we only have to get more than one. Yeah. Which is not so, too hard. Mm-hmm. How many rounds total are there again? Ten. So we're on round three. Three it's of ten. ten. <laughs> okay. For those curious, West Brom won won the League Cup in 1966 against West Ham United. Same year, greatest country on earth won it. <laughs> World Cup, rather. <laughs> the only one we've ever won. So I'm going to have to push you guys for an answer here. I'm, I'm saying higher. Higher. I'm sorry, guys. I don't think you have the facilities to keep going. Oh, Everton have not really? won a League Cup. That is surprising. That is. That was the tricky one. I, I think that if you had gotten past this one, you guys would have been able to go the whole way. But uh, unfortunately, wow. you've fallen at the first hurdle. Wow. I did I did sniff it out a little bit. Like now, to be honest, that was a complete guess. But saying, <laughs> could this be the one that, that screws us up a little bit? Wow. Huh. Mm. Everton have been runners up in the League Cup twice in 1977 and 1984 but are yet to lift the League Cup trophy in any form. They have won the FA Cup five times, though, so... Yeah. That's... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's definitely... I'll take FA Cup over League Cup. Yeah, for sure. But that wasn't the question in this case, so I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> the record does not get broken. The shaky record of three does not get broken. <laughs> in all honesty, that was a very good question. I, I have to give it, it to you for that one. Yeah. I, I, had text, I had texted John when I made the game, and I was like, John, the game's a good game, but it's a tough game. That was and hard, yes. On that note, let's now move on to the match of the week, the London Derby. And we brought on two guests that hate each other with a fiery passion. <laughs> and let's start off with Arsenal. After having a woeful start to the season, losing the first three straight games, Arteta was under a red-hot seat. And after the past couple of weeks, picked up a few wins against Burnley and Norwich. Norwich one was a little bit more optimistic of a win rather than, than Burnley, in my opinion. But going into this, uh, in the Spurs game, if Arsenal lose, is Arteta, is Arteta going to be trending? I, I, believe, I, I, I believe it always will, just because that's how Arsenal fans are. We're just always either so divisive or we're just quick to jump on, on Twitter or on AFTV or something. But I, I hopefully we don't have to worry about that because I, 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 I'm hoping 
with uh, now that we have Partey back in the squad, we and we have Gabrielle and Tomiyasu, who's really, really impressed me since he's been here. Uh, hopefully, we won't have to worry about him being on the hot seat. So, is there a bit of optimism going into the game this weekend? Do you think there's a good chance also can get a result? Uh, I do, I do, and uh, Spurs are looking not not too not too good right now, especially after that Chelsea defeat and the uh, the Conference League game. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, we're coming we're coming off two two wins against, like you said, Burnley and Norwich. We we beat Brentford in a, in a uh, fr- like a friendly, and then we just had a three nil win against Wimbledon yesterday. And so uh, we're in four games. We haven't conceded a goal. Uh, Gabrielle and Tomiyasu with, with Ben White and Tierney, and especially with Rams, Ramsdale as the goalie, it's really been impressing me. And you can see the type of player that we're targeting at the club. We're really going for youth and versatility, I believe, too. I just I want to hold on that for a second. What have you made of this Arsenal youth revolution where a lot of the reports in the media were that, you know, there was there was a rot at the club, but that rot was within the older generation of players. And you've seen this new generation come in, whether it be Saka or uh, Martinelli. And then obviously you have Emil Smith, Smith Rowe, who have brought this new life, who have brought this attitude to, you know, go out there and compete, not just collect a paycheck, which I think that a lot of Arsenal fans were really upset about. So can you just talk a little bit about how you've seen this new generation of Arsenal fans or of Arsenal players come in and the optimism that it's brought to the side? If it has. Yeah, yeah it, it definitely has because Arsenal is a team like the last eight or nine years, our profile of players, we, and we wouldn't sell them for like any good fee. It's not like we saw profit from any players we sold. So the fact that we're, creating these talents from Hale End, whether it's Martinelli, like you said, ML Smith Rowe, Charlie Patino, who is getting Spain wanting him to nation change. This this yeah, he hasn't even made a first team appearance yet. And the Hale End Academy, and whether it's Balligan as well, who's gotten some first team reps, uh Hale End is just like something that we can be happy about over the last couple of months or especially after the FA Cup. And, and also we had Willick, who just made a big move to Newcastle, who pretty much saved them from relegation. It's, it's just, it just makes you happy to be supporting the club and then knowing that those guys have been, support, have been playing for the club since they're, geez, six, seven years old, you know? So seeing them on that first team pitch is like really, really something that you love to see. Well, something you spoke about a little bit earlier as well was how Arsenal targeting youth and versatility, as well as they are trusting their youth, they're giving them the youth game time. But something that, that's kind of sticking out of my mind is Ainsley Maitland-Niles, as someone yeah. who is incredibly versatile, can play all over the pitch, who's very young as well, who I believe a few weeks ago came out and said he wants to go somewhere where he's, where he's uh, I can't remember if he said loved or appreciated or yeah, valued. Value. He, yeah. he just wants to go somewhere with, where he's valued. That to me doesn't really sound like Arsenal is being like valuing him enough and and being supportive enough to him. So how how do Arsenal fans I guess feel about him? Do do you view him as an outlier to the to to the norm or what do you think about that? 
Well, I think that definitely goes into um, the personality of Arteta and the type of manager that he is. Like you said, what he did with Guendouzi completely like shut him off. Wanted, he like wanted him exiled out of Arsenal. Uh, Saliba, he saw Saliba play once and was like, no, you're not good enough for the squad. He definitely is uh, a very polarizing manager in the locker room, I think. And another thing with um, Ainsley is after that FA Cup, he was he was red hot for us at right back. He was he was playing well. I, like after that FA Cup win, I thought surely he was going to be our starting right back going into the season. But uh, yeah, I don't really know what happened with that. And I think Arsenal fans all like love Ainsley, and I and he has gotten some looks since he complained to Arteta. He's been getting looks at CDM since uh, Xhaka uh, was carded. He, he was ineligible for a game. and uh, But now that Partey's back, I would love to see a partey Lakonga pivot and then have Ainsley come in at, at maybe the 65th, 70-minute mark to really make that impact at that position. But uh, he, he can't just get that starting job like that. But Xhaka, I think the, the fact that we re-signed Xhaka really plays – a factor in that, in him getting game time at CDM, which is where he wants to play. But um, I, I think he should be there over Xhaka. I think Xhaka should be in Roma right now after the way he was twerking for Mourinho. I really don't support that, but. Yeah, I thought he was gone, but I see Zeming signing the zone out. So let's let's bring Spurs back into the conversation. <laughs> and it's been a bit of a tale of two months for them so far, because the first season, uh, Nuno won manager of the month. They were, if not first in the league, at the least at the top of the table at the end of the month. And then they got smashed 3-0 in back-to-back games. Now one of them, he got a red card, and then the kind of floodgates opened from then. But then 3-0 against Chelsea as well. How are Spurs fans feeling at this point of the season? Is it a little bit nervous? Are you still very trusting in Nuno? What's the overall emotion like? I think some fans aside, it wasn't too big of a surprise given what happened in the last two Premier League games. We knew when you win games by one goal and you barely scrap by with many dangerous chances to come out with a draw, we knew we were just simply lucky in some of the earlier games, right? And when you have Sun not available for the game with Palace and you know you're up against potentially the best team in the league, we all knew in the back of our heads that we're not going to be on the top of the table, right? We will lose and we might lose pretty bad. So surprisingly, it wasn't that big of a shock in the Tottenham camp. Um, But I think what's more important now is that we have a more healthy realization of what we actually are. And, you know, facts are facts. We are not title challengers. We are not first or second on in, in the league. Um, you know, we slot right, you know, underneath those Champions League spots as of right now, given what we have. And so, in me personally, I feel like those two defeats, although, you know, as painful as they are, it gave the entire team, as well as its fans, more of a reality check to, you know, really recognize how we will continue to proceed with the rest of our season. And, you know, in our latest uh, cup game against Wolves, you know, we still showed that, you know, we are still a functioning unit. Those, you know, six nil in the last two games didn't completely destroy our morale. And seeing, most importantly, the people who we have a little bit doubt about, including Deli Ali, Harry Kane, as well as Ndombele, all contribute some way to the score sheet. It's definitely more of a confidence booster, both for the fans as well as the team headed towards the North London Derby. So 
the, the, the passion is there. We're very excited to play Arsenal once again at the Emirates. And yeah, we'll see what happens. And I'm sure that we'll get on to the Harry Kane thing in just a little bit, but how has the first two months under Nuno been? I know that Spurs fans wanted a more scintillating attacking style of football that you guys saw under Pochettino, but that's just not what Nuno is going to offer you. So how have things been to adapting to this new, but yet still very defensive manager? I think, well, Mourinho was by no means Pochettino, right? He was more, he has known throughout his career as a more defensive minded park, the bus type of coach. So also yeah, a lot under- friendly, uh, also a lot less friendly of a fellow. Uh, Mourinho is yeah, very, very true very true um, but you know uh, Nuno in the past has cited Mourinho to be one of his mentors one of his the people who inspired him to develop his own tactic and so you're going from one defensive style to another defensive style so I guess the transition is a little easier given that most of our squad currently on our roster has been through you know a long time with Mourinho um, and just in terms of the gameplay I feel like that adaptation process is going decently well. And you can see specifically with the changes that Nuno has made as he favors a couple of new players over the old Mourinho system, right? So you can see Oliver Skip, you know, getting more game time, Tengenga getting more game time, right? So I feel like this adaptation process is, is, is going better than I would have thought, of course, um, but, you know, I feel like the season is still early and, you know, it's only through a couple more games can we really see how these how our players hold up under more and more pressure and as the season starts picking up with more and more games. And something I want to touch on in, in regards to uh, the midfield is you guys have a ton of midfield talent, a ton of different players that I, lo- I love, like Hoiberg, uh, Ndombele, Oliver Skip, you already mentioned. But Deli Ali is another one who has been that world-class talent before back in 2016 the talk of only England camp was moving forward it's going to be Kane and Ali's team they they are the stars moving forward one became a star and the other one faded now I'd, I'd argue Ali faded primarily because Mourinho just ruined him but it's given me a lot more confidence in, in Ali seeing him play week in week out he's finally getting the game time he he's wanted he hasn't contributed on the on the goal sheet much yet i believe at all you can correct me if i'm wrong with that but i don't think he's logged an assist or goal there's one assist in the in the cup yeah he assists mm-hmm. pain in our second goal against wolves that's good um but are how, how are spurs fans viewing the delia uh, experience so far this season are they understanding that takes time for confidence to to come back and understanding that there could still be the world-class talent left in him and if that world-class talent emerges you could you could contend for the league with him or are they going a little tired and wanting to see whether it's Hoiberg in that role or Ndombele or any any of your other great midfielders in that role instead? Yeah. So I think the general consensus within the Tottenham fans are that we are still giving him the chance to, again, prove himself like he once did. Um, and, you know, when you hit so many goals and so many assists from a more midfield position in a certain season, those good memories never really fade, right? He was crucial in our well, third place finish that season after losing to someone in the end of the last match day. But, you know, it, it's, the, it's the memories that, you know, and, and it's the proof that he has accumulated throughout the season that really gave us, you know, the trust that he will continue playing. And yes, you're absolutely right. 
Mourinho was one of the main causes why he was, I guess, deterred a little bit in his continued development, right? But just seeing, more importantly, him being played all over the midfield, you know, sometimes he's more back, sometimes he's left, right in the front, that is at least a signal that he is trying to find his stride once again. And we saw that, you know, somewhat pay off, although he did squander a couple of chances as well against Wolves in that he actually, you know, got onto the score sheet and assisted uh, Harry Kane. So just simply seeing Ali being featured week in, week out gives Tottenham fans a glimmer of hope, essentially, that, you know, if he can at least be on the pitch, he has the chance to, you know, prove himself, right? And so we're, we're patient as of now. Uh, but like you said, the Tottenham midfield is very competitive and I don't know how many more games it would take and how many more weeks it will take before, you know, we start, you know, playing him less and less. And I think should that happen, that will be Delhi sign to perhaps leave North London, right? Because in the past, he has been linked away to reunite with Poch down in Paris. We'll see. That doesn't, doesn't seem like too bad of a punishment. <laughs> <laughs> you can't play Wait. here. You have to go play with Messi, Neymar, Mbappe. Mbappe. In, in training, right? much easier. <laughs> I mean, you do get to live know. in Paris. I don't know. I'd trade that. It's like being a backup quarterback. Well, wait. I mean, you're, he's living in London. <laughs> I don't know. Paredes can get game time. I think Dele Alli could get game time on that side. That's fair. That's That's fair. Too good to me in the last couple matches. But also, actually, it's kind of interesting for me hearing that if he potentially links up with Poch back in Paris, they have a ton of players they want to get off their books. So if you want to talk about swap deals, they'll be willing to offer you 10 different players in a swap. So it'll be a lot of versatility if that were to come to fruition. Um, and I also just want to say, and if anybody else has, to add, has anything to add on, feel free, but Hugo Luis was incredible against Chelsea. Like, watching, watching back at that game, that they honestly should have lost like five five nil maybe even six nil. The, he had a few incredible saves. There was a powerful Thiago Silva header that he somehow managed to keep out. There were there were a few different Alonso shots. One that was like on a breakaway, and the other one was a, was I believe a volley. And also it had a few different breakaways at different times in the match. He's he's been shaky. I think the past couple seasons where he's been rather hit or miss. But when he's on, I'm not sure if there's many other top goalkeepers who are better than him. He was amazing. Yeah, definitely. And uh, our captain is obviously holds a special place in all of our hearts. Like He's been there through the, the thick, the thin. And I think most Tottenham fans know that anything that Hugo gives us now is all, you know, more of a privilege, right? Where this is, he's well past his prime. He's one of the oldest goalkeepers in the league. Um, and to continue and see occasionally him making those fantastic saves, just nothing but gratitude. And you can also tell we brought in Golini, um, of whom I would argue is one of the most competitive backup goalkeepers in the league, right? So you can clearly tell we are ready for that succession. So, like I said, you know, just seeing Hugo stand out there week in, week out for us Tottenham fans is a much joy that we will continue treasure and reminisce of all the great moments he's produced for us. That's, that's really nice to hear that uh, Spurs fans are as as loving of, of, of yep. Hugo after being there for so long. Absolutely. But now let's move on to the fantasy updates as Declan's going to be reading this out. And I'm 
looking forward to this one because I'm actually on the rise in the league. Yeah, John, um, you know, don't get too high on your haunches. You're not uh, anywhere close to me, so you better watch Jimmy out. Jimmy up. <laughs> yeah, when you're in seventh place. <laughs> actually, eighth, I believe. You, you, you are now up. You are now up to sixth, John. Calm down. Calm down. You know, you can't. We can't all be me up in second place. I did have a bad week. I forgot to change a couple players, but you know, still chasing down Brandon. Um, you know, shout out Brandon. Up in first, 70, 78 points clear of everyone else. But John, you got some climbing to do. You got some climbing to do, my friend. Well, I mean, Brandon's seventy-eight points ahead of you, except I'm only thirty points behind uh, behind you. I'm yeah, catch. Yeah. I'm I'm right on your heels right now, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tight league, except Brandon up in first, who's killing it. But now let's move on to stoppage time, uh, as we're going to be running through the, our predictions for this weekend's matches. And bit of a reminder because we've been off. We've been off for a couple of weeks. Right now, this record for the season is I have I'm 17 and 13, and Declan's 14 and 16. So we've kind of flipped between fantasy and uh, uh, these predictions. But why don't we start off with the guess? So we'll pick uh, Brendan. Do you want to go first? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, 60 seconds on the clock. In three, two, one. City at Chelsea. Chelsea. Villa at United. Mm, United. Burnley at Leicester. Leicester. Norwich at Everton. Norwich. West Ham at Leeds. West Ham. Newcastle at Watford. Newcastle. Liverpool at, at Brentford. Liverpool. Wolves at Southampton. Wolves. Spurs at Arsenal. Arsenal. And Brighton at Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. And it's, a, it's a big weekend for the relegation favorites. You having uh, <laughs> Norwich, Newcastle, and Arsenal winning. Wow, that's huge. <laughs> relegation favorites, Arsenal. I love it. <laughs> yep, I agree. When it, when it got to Norwich, uh, Everton, I, I was just like thinking. And I was just like, I want to see Josh Sargent bag a brace. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and hey man relegation teams beating other relegation teams you know that's the new uh that's the new normal for our arsenal oh funny yeah. <sighs> now i wonder who you're gonna be picking in the in the north london derby zimming but <laughs> uh so just, just to clarify we can't yep. say draw right it has to oh, be no, no. you can say draw oh okay oh. Okay. I, I thought Brennan was just being bold. Brennan's a little bold about his predictions. <laughs> we'll keep him. We'll keep him. Come on. Uh, okay. I'm confident. I'm confident. <laughs> Brennan's just going, okay, I'm going to guess all these teams are going to win in spirit. Yeah. <laughs> but Zimming, are you ready? Yep. Three, two, one. City at Chelsea. Draw. Villa at United. Uh, United. Burnley at Leicester. Leicester. Norwich at Everton. Uh, Everton. West Ham at Leeds. West Ham. Newcastle at Watford. Draw. Liverpool at Brentford. Draw. Wolves at Southampton. Uh, the Saints. Spurs at Arsenal. Spurs. Brighton at Crystal Palace. Draw. And 28 seconds. Well done. That's actually faster than we normally get, to be honest. 
<laughs> I mean, I also there's to some of them. So I kind of like was already thinking of the fixtures when you first announced it. So I have like a general idea. Brian and Palace is going to be a great game. Yes. It the M23 Derby, is that called? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well done. Graham, Graham Potter versus Patrick Vieira. Oh, love it. And the original script I had it as, um, um, like in the in the previews, I was going to say it's the uh, it's the Battle of the Birds this weekend. <laughs> Weirdest <laughs> rivalry in the EPL for sure. Oh, yeah. it's, a, it's just based on the mascots. It's amazing. <laughs> well, apparently, I thought the M23 is like a freeway that connects Brighton yeah, and is. South London, right? So that's why it's called the M23 Derby. But then it's like a derby is technically supposed to be of like the same city. Right, and that's not that's very far away, and I don't know. They take it very seriously over there. So, so Declan, uh, are you ready? I am. All right, three, two, one. Chelsea at City. Chelsea. Villa at United. United. Burnley at Leicester. Leicester. Norwich at Everton. Let's go Toffees. West Ham at Leeds. Is that even a question? <laughs> Newcastle at Watford. Watford. <laughs> Liverpool at Brentford. Liverpool. Wolves at Southampton. So it'll be a draw. Spurs at, at Arsenal. Uh, Spurs. Brighton at Crystal mm-hmm. Palace. My boy Graham Potter. <laughs> You're getting better at this. 29 seconds. And John, are you ready? Yes, I am. Okay, let's go. Chelsea at City. Chelsea. Uh, Villa United. Draw. Burnley Leicester. Leicester. Norwich Everton. Everton. West Ham leads. West Ham. Newcastle Watford. Draw. Liverpool Brentford. Liverpool. Wolves Southampton. Wolves. The North London Derby. Sorry, Brennan. Uh, Spurs. And the M23 Derby. Palace. You went over, John. Come on. No way. No way. Be more cognizant of time. No. What was my time? What was my time? 31 and a half seconds. <laughs> to be fair, you took a good like four seconds to get Villa, Villa United out. So I think I, I, I sneaked under. Thanks for coming on the show this week, Brennan and Zimming. Why well, start with start Brennan? Why don't you let the listeners know where to find you and uh, if you have anything to plug? Uh, yeah. Uh, my Instagram, B McCaffrey, B M C C. A-F-F-R-A-Y-13 or my Twitter, which I post a lot of like soccer uh, stuff on or like a lot of tweets regarding Arsenal. Uh, B-M-C-C-A-F-F-R-A-Y-13 there as well. Um, yeah, I appreciate having you guys letting me uh, come on your show. It's a pleasure to have you. And now Zimming, your turn. Would uh, you like to let the audience know where to find you? Yeah, so my Instagram is Z-I-M-I-N-G-G-A-O, and I don't have Twitter, so no no, uh, no rants from a Tottenham fan, unfortunately. And then I guess the last thing I want to plug is to dare is to do. Come on, you Spurs. Oh, my gosh. Oh, the real residents of North London. London oh. is white. <laughs> Theo, he was quiet during yours. You can show respect to be quiet during his plug. <laughs> <laughs> you had your chance <laughs> you decided to say the soccer stuff on twitter but so i had my chance and i said today is to do <laughs> and declan well me and pablo fornell's nutmegs can be found at uh depart 14 on twitter uh i don't know where we'll be able to find Jaden sancho's uh Jaden sancho's legs or ankles but we can figure that out later 
just twisting the knife even more. Just, oh, God. And you can find me and my depressed ass at John Townsend 99 on Twitter and Instagram as I am uh, slowly but surely going crazy looking at this United squad, trying to learn how to defend like the, 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 the newborn cattle. It's, it's, it's incredible. They, they, I get a heart attack every single match from one new defender each time. It's, not, it's never the same one, too. They, they switch it up. Oh, well, if I can say anything, it's better than having Pablo Mari. That's all I can say. Uh, no lies detected. Or <laughs> <laughs> Craig Dawson? You can have Craig Dawson. <laughs> I'm okay. And that's going to do it for the show. Make sure to keep your eye on the Mastermind site podcast feed for the Mastermind review show after this weekend's games. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give us a five star rating as it really helps grow the show. And thank you for listening. Thank you.